just for you, sir, on your computer. It's not about the future, but it's all the way from Utah. No matter where you're from, you can download this week in Mormons. Join Jeff and someone and round up your pals to bring a jello salad as you listen to my ballad. I promise you won't get bored as they talk more and more and more and more and more and more, more and more and more and more and more about Mormons. Well, everyone, once again, we are here this week in Mormons, or as I call it, this week in M. This is your background music, Jeff. Your walk-on. What would be your walk-on song? I've thought of that like if I were a baseball player, because yeah, you know, yeah. they get to play their music. I'd probably try to spite the industry and play something random, like just a camera obscura song or something like that. And everybody be like, what's with this pretentious Scotty, Scottish indie pop? And I'd say, that's me, pretentious. Indy likes to drink pop for you Utahns and lived in Scotland. So I've got it all covered. Mine would be Master the Tempest is Raging. <laughs> Only if it's the Kenneth Cope cover. <laughs> we sang that in a church this past <laughs> Sunday, and I was thinking, this is a strange hymn. That hymn goes, it's what, six minutes long at least? Right. And it's just ominous. I feel like I should look at the LDS, the, sorry, not, it's not LDS hymns anymore. Now it's just called sacred music. I should look at the app and see how long it is. It's kind of funny because I'm, I'm in charge of the music in our bishopric and uh, ward council meetings. Um, like you pick like, the hymn or what? I do all the choosing because I make all the agendas for our meetings as the exec set. Gotcha. Um, and then the bishop just leans on me to like cue it up on my phone and play it. And then, and I conduct the music too, sitting in my chair, mostly because every, no one can hear it eventually. And then we all, we either rush or drag, usually rush, and it just gets out of sync. So I sit there and I try to like, come on, up here, up here. Nice. Um, anyways, I love it when I do some that you think are great and they're two minutes long. Every now and I try to avoid the masters and the tempests because I don't want to spend six minutes doing, na 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 that would just go on. I know, and there's like, I think there's like three or four verses. It just... It's not to diss the song. It's just its just so long. <laughs> yes. So... There needs to be a limit. Now, do you have... Since we're on the topic of hymns briefly, you know they closed the... I'm uh, Kurt Franken, by the way. Jeff hasn't... Oh, yeah, sorry. Sorry, I didn't introduce him. Kurt Franken from Leading Saints. He is a little bit shorter than me, definitely more handsome, and his eyes are much bluer than mine because mine are green. So... Mine are also green, but I'll go with blue. Those aren't green. I'm looking at you right now. You're glistening. Look deep Look into those my eyes, eyes they're, Jeff. They're like space crystals. <laughs> so I, I must say that I really appreciate uh, your co-host. Uh, what's her name? She was on last week. Josie? Josie, yeah. Her uh, Singapore perspective. I like that. Josie helps us get some international news. I mean, you can find that stuff anywhere. And curiously, I find it the uh, church, the regular church newsroom has now started publishing an international news roundup. Mm. At least once a week, maybe every two weeks, which I, I don't think it's in any way related to that, but I find it interesting they didn't do that before, but now they are. So yeah, it's fun to get hear about all the stuff that's going on elsewhere. And the just and don't. the reunion tour with Al. He was back. Al did come back. He reminded us all that he is kind of a jerk and <laughs> And still says inappropriate stuff. And still says no, inappropriate nothing. stuff. My my favorite, of course, was when we were talking about uh Colby Farron's album and Al decided every song was about Drugs, drugs, <laughs> masturbation, and drugs. Right. Marriage didn't fix them. It doesn't fix any of us, folks. <laughs> so, but but that, I must say, that, Jeff. That, that is not true. You have to remember, folks, 
we become personas on this program. We're not exactly as we are. Right. In We're pretty life. boring when we are just in person. Hey, speak for yourself, chump. I'm dynamic and interesting. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. Anyway, uh, I, I must I would... say, Jeff, it was cool to have Al back, and you guys have a chemistry, okay? It just works. I listen to that and think, ah, now he's dealing with the, the, the scraps of... Of hosts here. We are like Ross and Rachel. We just can't. It's true. And we always hope that you get back together, hopefully by the time the series ends. Which is is troubling because we are we're gonna be completing our tenth season, which is how long Friends was on. So I don't know, folks. Whoa. Do we call it quits come January next year? Just say Let's be honest. This could be the last episode. Who knows? No, the last episode, I've told you, my longstanding issue is this show cannot end at least until McKay Coppins comes on as a guest. I'm not saying it will end once he comes on as a guest, though if there's some of you that want us to be out of our misery, you could arrange that, I guess, and try to accelerate the process. But otherwise, I can't I cannot do it until McKay is here. Are or you actually David trying to get McKay on? Hey, this takes I'm I'm playing it slow. I'm doing my game. All right. It took me years to run into him at an event in January. We chatted for a bit. I planted the seed. Next up, I just randomly show up at his place of work. <laughs> and then you're randomly next, staring through his house, the, the, his living next room. Next up, I'm staring through his living room window. Yeah. And next up, I'm calling him and asking him specific questions that about his kids that are accurate. Yeah. And then it's a Christmas vacation scenario where your cousin uh, kidnaps him and brings him to you for the interview. Yeah. And, well, and then, you know, I was going to say then it was going to blossom into a, a beautiful friendship. But yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's how most of my, that's how I got my wife. It was mostly a Stockholm Syndrome type situation. <laughs> but we're very Link happy. twice if, if you're under duress. Yeah. Everest. Anyways. It's a born <laughs> joke. Um, I was going to ask you a little bit about hymns, but I guess now we don't care. I was curious. Oh, no, no, no. What? I'm curious. Where, where are we going the, with hymns? The, the moment has passed. I wanted to know since they've, they've closed the window on people submitting for new hymns, you know, yeah, they yeah. do a new hymn book finally. I want to get the Kurt perspective on if there are any known songs that are not currently codified in our book as hymns that you would like to see included, and if there are any existing hymns that you think are worthy of being uh, removed from the future hymn book. Oh, man. Just anything Peter Breinholt writes. I mean, let's be honest. Let's, let's, let's get a little, you know, beat going. Uh, I'm not a music One of guy, our best Jeff. interviews. I just seeing what it's provided for me and, you know— I'm a big fan of Be Still My Soul. I hope that sticks around. But as far as like adding, um, I don't know. I do know. I went to Education Week, BYU Education Week, and uh, went to a class with Brad Wilcox. Oh, cool. He actually, he didn't submit a a song, but he submitted a new verse for I Am a Child of God. Oh, of course he did. Hey, everyone, look at me. (laughs) Hey, Brad's great. But he just had to make sure you all knew that he submitted it in case this goes to a vote. We should, well, it, this should I mean, be it, a reality show. Why is this not on BYU TV to have us vote? This is a missed opportunity. <laughs> I need a number to text in to to count my vote. But I mean, I'm really 100% serious. I think it's... Uh, I mean, why not? I know, I know BYU TV is getting away from anything that's overtly church-driven all the time, but... They I would, should just, I would, they should just uh, fold that into general conference and, you know, in between speakers like bring Ryan Seacrest up or the Latter-day Saint equivalent and or like, hey. wait for it. We get rid of the, well, you know, the average choir that we'll sing in the Saturday afternoon session. You know, it's always some mm-hmm. random consortium of youth from from 
Weber County or something like that. We get rid of them, and then we have different people come out and sing so- and songs that we haven't heard before. And people have buzzers in the conference center, and we can live vote. We tweet with hashtags, just like on popular reality right. television. But wasn't it, I think uh, I heard the number, like, wasn't it like tens of thousands of songs have been submitted? I mean, I've got all weekend. I'm there for 10 hours anyway. <laughs> right. <laughs> nice. Or that get, that would I keep guess, people from using the bathroom during the, the choir numbers. It does sadden me during conference when now they, I, I'm grateful the technology has enabled us to uh, access it much more easily from wherever we are. That's the important thing. But it does sadden me that we often see interior shots of the conference center and there are plenty of open seats, especially on the edges. I mean, there was a time when, no, man, conference tickets were a big deal. You were so happy to get them, and that place was filled reasonably on time, and that was that. And it's just not the case anymore. I don't know. I mean, it's it's a good problem to have because more people can access it online than ever before, but I just think it looks sad. I don't yeah. know. Sure. Well, Optics. someday, Jeff, we'll all be attending because of virtual reality. Remember that, you know, I remember your idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Good... Maybe we can all attend conference that way. I mean, you'd, you'd think the church public affairs department would have like a legion of seat fillers ready to go. Just to, right, like the like the Oscars. Is that weird? <laughs> yes, but but once again, they prove that since Michael Otterson has left, they don't have a clue what's going on. Yeah, it that seems place that is falling apart. Right, they're just... very confused nowadays. I feel bad for them. Wow. Nice. Uh, Before we get to any news, I just want to check in with you. I want to make sure you're okay, intervention style. How is life on the Franken Front? You know, I I would be a uh, new podcast name for you. The 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 Franken Front? Yeah. Next next episode on the Franken Front uh, with Kurt and Alana Franken. Kurt visits Chick fil A. That's right. Uh, So I had, so a lot has happened. I've moved since the last time we recorded. And, uh, I'm, but I just moved down the street in the same city in Holiday, and I <laughs> moved two over stakes over. There's two different stakes in between you. me and my old stake. And uh, so that was good. I actually visited Mount Rushmore. Um, oh, cool. And I, and you'll, you'll appreciate this experience. So we're, we're there at Mount Rushmore, and it's sort of one of those things like, hmm, cool, and can we go now? Like, I saw it. Um, but nonetheless, we there's this trail that, you know, they have the visitor center. You can kind of look at it take some pictures, and then there's this trail that goes down, and then there's some stairs and path that you can get a little bit closer to the base. Well, we're headed down there, and there's this uh, kind of rest area, this landing there, and there's these, you know, these pull-up signs you see at conference, or not at conference, at conferences, you know, pull-up signs. There's these pull-up signs of, uh, like, uh, about, uh, like, Mormon.org, or what? What? what is it called now? Now it's Come Unto Christ. Come Unto Christ.org. Yeah. And I'm like, and it's just like standing there. I'm thinking, what on earth is happening? Well, then as we get to to leave, these sister missionaries come back. I guess they're, you know, took a break or something. And so they were there at Mount Rushmore, like proselytizing. Was it it preparation day? No, no, no. They were like, hey, we're like in missionary mode. But it seems so odd to me that, uh, you know, is it a national monument? I get those mixed up. Rushmore is a monument, yes. Yeah, yeah. So. I mean, it's, it just seemed weird that they would actually allow that. I guess, but at the same time, it's public land. So right. of all the places for that to happen, because I was thinking the same thing, right? As you were telling the story, I yeah, yeah. thought, can they do that there? But it's, I mean, it's the people's property, right? Is it any different than missionaries walking along the National Mall? Yeah. So can I like just, if I if I sell jewelry, can I just set up shop there at Mount Rushmore and... 
That I would doubt because it probably takes a permit. I imagine there are, this is just complete guesswork, there are probably some exclusions for religious bodies, speech-related speech stuff yeah, yeah. as opposed to something transactional. I don't know. Gotcha. Anyways, I mean, it was it's, like it's, very random, and but it was awesome to see Mount Rushmore. Unless you have to have a permit. I don't know. I mean, you know, because you can protest on government property all the time, but you typically have to get a permit, but that's part of exercising your right to free speech. Do the missionaries have permits? Either way, they were down the trail, which seems like a weird spot. For yeah, you it was hang out very there. random. You hang but out we, there, you hang out by that esplanade of flags. That's where you get the people. That's, that's where right. you see them all. <laughs> Anyways, they were uh, preaching the word there. We gave them a thumbs up and- Encourage them on our way, their way, and uh, and so that's uh, yeah, that's my life. Well, I'm uh, Mount Rushmore is beautiful. Al and I actually went there about seven oh, odd did? years ago. Yeah, 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 yeah. We went there a while ago. We were on an epic road trip through the through the north and the west. That's we stopped right. there and then we slept in a field outside of Mount Rushmore because there was no room at any of the inns, and so we just we just parked the car, rolled out the bags. I just slept under the stars in South Dakota. This is actually my second time going to Mount Rushmore, but my first time seeing it. Because the first time I went, it was a wall of fog, and I could not see it. So I have this picture of me standing in front of a wall of fog. That stinks. And I tried to recreate the picture, but this time with the actual Mount Rushmore behind. Did you uh, drive out there? Were you flying? I mean, was this yeah, a road drove, trip kind yep. of thing? Okay, so it's a family Devil's, trip. Yep, uh, family vacation. You saw we Devil's Tower. Devil's Tower. Devil's Tower is cool. cool. Devil's Tower is very. And cool. uh, went to a, a Jewel Cave. Definitely recommend it. That was uh-huh. part of the highlight of the trip. So it was great. That's awesome. Yeah, I'm jealous. I have not been on an epic road trip in some time. Instead, I spent the weekend. Uh, I, I was excited for Labor Day and such, you know and the day off. And uh, then Friday night, uh, we took one of my kids to the ER uh, for croup. So wow. that was fun. That's and, how we spent our he's doing well. He got, f- they got he, him he's figured fine. out. He's, he's, all, he's all sorted out. He's fine. I'm, ex- I'm excited to see how much the bill's going to be um, just for that. It, it was an urgent care doable thing. But either way, he got taken care of, and I'm very glad and thankful that he's okay. But naturally, uh, instead of sleeping on Friday night, my wife and I probably got about two-ish hours in before the other kid was awake. My wife slept upright in a chair, keeping the croup kid upright so he could actually sleep because otherwise he would just cough and wake up. Ah. And couldn't. So yeah, she had a rough go. Parents, man, you just she had a rough go. I, I yeah, I haven't done like a two-hour night like that in a long, long time. So Saturday was just kind of a blur. I was very thankful for it being a holiday weekend because it let Labor Day itself be something normal, I would say, because Saturday was just a wash. I took my older kid out to run errands and to dinner because it, later in the afternoon and I didn't take a nap or anything. I was like, I'm going to collapse if I'm just sitting around the house. So I got to do something to distract myself. Yeah, so that was moving. fun. That was fun. But otherwise, if only know. you had a, like a, a soda shop near you, like we have them on every corner, like next to every. Oh, I indulged. I, I asked my kid, I was like, dude, where do you want to go? I'll take you anywhere you want for dinner. That's what I, I rarely say that ever to my children. I said, I'll take you anywhere you want. And he just goes, oh, Chick-fil-A. Oh, yeah, Chick-fil-A. And I was like, fine. Never mind that on Tuesday I worked at home that day, and so for fun I took the kids to Chick-fil-A for lunch anyway. So I'm like, I don't even care that it's like three days later. Sure, we will go to Chick-fil-A again. I don't care. And when I took that first sip of Dr. Pepper, oh, my goodness, Kurt, I had some kind of out-of-body experience. It was remarkable. (laughs) What you just said there is so Latter-day Saint. It's just crazy. It's so – we can't say that's so Mormon anymore. Right. That is so Latter-day Saint. Let's make some T-shirts. That's so Latter-day Saint. Anyways. Anyway, so uh, good things are happening all around. Otherwise, life is good. 
chugging along. I'm excited for conference coming up now in about a month, and that'll be fun. And oh, uh, yeah. we're working on our temple predictions right now. I'm going to give you a teaser, though. I'm I'm giving a a low percent chance, but I might include it. Rapid City. I think that neck of the woods might might get one. Ooh, you were well, there, so you, you know. I was there. There, I did not see a temple. So no, they're they they're in a, they're in a bit of an island. There's a temple in Billings and a temple in Bismarck. And then I don't, and then a temple in like Fort Collins, Colorado or something. You got nothing. So I'm pulling for them. So is that your, is that your, if you were put a, a, a pin in a map on one location, that would be your one guess? That no, that wouldn't be likely? my top. That, that's not even my top guess. We're still kind of formulating our real top, top guesses. Um, not quite sure. I might go out, go crazy and say Orem. That's right. Hmm. Orem. Well, okay, I know, I know, everyone. You're all thinking, no, it's going to be Vineyard, but no, it's going to be Orem, people. No, 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 it's not going to be Linden. I was like, what's the name of that city next to Orem? Linden. Yeah, that's Linden. Cool. It's been a while. That's, that's the more but, classy part of, I guess, you know. I guess. The, the, the no, Cedar, Orem Plus. No, what's that called? Cedar Bench? What's that city? I don't know. I don't know. I, anyway. You're getting way too detailed so, for my Utah mind. Speaking of the temples, though, we often speculate about this kind of stuff. Oh, yeah. Um, but we don't have to speculate as much because while President Nelson was doing his little uh, South American tour, visiting the Saints, you know, rallying the troops, doing all that good stuff, he gave uh, us he, a teaser. He was in uh, in uh, Brasilia, Brazil, the capital city, and according to the uh, church newsroom, just straight up confirmed that there will be temple announcements in October, as well as quote other announcements. So I don't know if we're gonna get a. Uh, this is gonna feed the rumor mill. Last in April. You know, everyone was pumped up. What's going to happen in conference? What's going to happen in conference? And then it was just a pretty by-the-numbers affair. But uh, this time around, we don't know these announcements will be. And likewise, we know there will be temples. And anecdotally, purely anecdotally, of course, this is always like, I have a friend who's like, dad is a temple worker who talked to this other temple worker who was with President Nelson. But I'm going to choose to throw it out there. That yeah, allegedly the church is far more invested in building temples now than they are in meeting houses, especially because two-hour church does not necessitate the construction of more meeting houses as it used to. So they want to allocate those resources and build more smaller temples that reach more remote areas. Now that's you know, anecdotal, but it also it tracks. To don't me. you feel like and and correct me if I'm wrong? Maybe this is very a Utah mentality here. I'm, I'm in my bubble here. But it seems like since we've gone to the two-hour church, we now have these buildings that are built for the church in the 70s and 80s, and now they don't really work with two-hour church as well. Have you have you felt that? Like, the you know, combining elders, quorum, and high priest, now there's not really, like, every ward I visit, that there's an awkward room where they're set up for, for that meeting, and Sunday school now is a bit yeah. bigger, and so it doesn't really work in, in some meetings. And so I, we just yeah. need to yeah. start over, take down every church yes. built and redo it. That's how in, I would you know, allocate And put in that holodeck virtual reality thing that Kurt wants. When- <laughs> That's right. Just give everybody uh, virtual reality headsets, and let's just go from there. You do hit on something interesting, though, that I, I've seen that in our building. They had to, I'm trying to think of the reasons why, but that we had to have priesthood and primary. We're in one of those kind of classic oval-shaped stake centers with the big yeah. corner rooms, right? On these. So three of the corners, you got Relief Society, priesthood, then primary, and then the other corner is like stake office area kind of thing. Um, they switched primary and priesthood, which were, you know, uh, basically kitty corner from one another across the building. And I forgot, I'm trying to remember the reason. I think the reason they did it was because of capacity. You'd think all those rooms were the same size, but they're not. Yeah. 
And so priesthood is smaller than primary, but so it's really goofy now. They have primary in what's officially the priesthood room, and then the poor kids have to walk across the building rather than to, to get back to the classrooms that are immediately adjacent to the primary room. And yeah, two-hour church has, has required us to do all kinds of weird structural yeah. things that we didn't have to do before. Yeah, I think a, a lot more wards are like using the chapel for that second hour, and the chapel is like the worst place to have a class that where we want to facilitate discussion. Okay, it's just- maybe, but I've been in wards before where in the chapel, the Sunday school teacher hooks up a projector and has a lapel mic and walks around the chapel doing the lesson like a pro. So right. I, I mean, but my argument is if the if the instructor needs a mic, then it you're you're sort of uh, it, it's not going to facilitate a discussion. Are it, you implying that when, when when a setting requires amplification, it it prohibits intimacy? Is that what you're trying to say? That is, I couldn't have said it better myself. Jeff. Well, then what's general conference, you schmo? No, a general conference isn't meant for a discussion. Well, I'm where I'm, Sunday I school mean, is and elder. I, 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 okay. Well, I mean, that's what, sure, sure. I mean, that's <laughs> I'm not saying that we can't have any meetings with microphones. I'm just saying that we, the handbook say, or you know, our instruction or, or the, the direction we're going in these classes is focused on discussion. And that's true, that's true. And then we give a guy a mic and wonder why nobody else makes a comment because, well, we can't hear the other person because this room's so big and you know, 80 yeah, people are crammed great. in it. What is the structure like in your, let's say your Sunday school class? Because Elders Quorum and, and you know, Priesthood Relief Society are now designed very clearly. It's just conference talks. And there is not you know two weeks of study crammed into one lesson. So I'm just curious how your ward does it for Sunday school with the two different lessons. Does your teacher try to do both? Does he or she let the class kind of grab bag and pick different things, like put up on screen like the various topics that are discussed across these lessons and just sort of go around? Like, What's the format in yours? You know, the format in mine has been uh, that they generally, you show up and you sort of get surprised what chapter that of those two lessons are going to focus on. And I actually put this uh, poll out on Twitter last Sunday because my experience has been, you know, I put up the poll said, has since the Come Follow Me program has been instigated, has your second hour Sunday school class imp- experience improved, stayed the same or gotten worse? And most people said it has improved, but my experience has been it has gotten worse because it's just I think the teacher's still trying to teach the lesson as it was before, where they try and present something where it should be more of a discussion about what did you learn type of thing. But that's a more that's a riskier, more vulnerable uh, direction to go because what if stuff, nobody says something or whatever? And so it's been this sort of sort of dry, just uh, well, this is let's read this scripture. What do you think about that? And and I. I, it's not working for me, and maybe I just—it's maybe it's me, Jeff. I need to in, well, look internally. Well, no, I think part of it is not uh, us not fully understanding the, how, what to make of this new format at this point, and maybe it's on Sunday school presidents to be a little more proactive in teaching their teachers how to handle it. Because one thing to remember, and I'm pretty sure this is true—I love just throwing rumors out there—but uh, my understanding is that the new curriculum was being developed for "Come Follow Me." with the expectation that it would be still three-hour church. That we'd have weekly uh, weekly three-hour church, and you know, the second hour, typically the second hour would be uh, your gospel doctrine block. And that would make sense because, you know, we barely had that new structure for priesthood and relief society as far as what the lesson meant, what the lessons were 
you know, only two of them were uh, Sunday school. You had, you know, the presidency lesson, the other ones. So I've heard they were, that was developed with that in mind. And then when it was already underway, the prophet through thought and prayer uh, realized that we should shift to two hour church to not to two hour church to home centered church. And so then they were left with this manual that has two weeks worth of content you know, per lesson. And I think that's, that's lent some of it to it. Cause I've been in the same thing where it's just kind of, Hey, what's interesting to you guys? What do you want to talk about? I, I don't think it restricts a discussion. If a teacher comes prepared, having prayerfully considered what are the key points he or she wants to get on and saying like, all right, so this is really important. Let's, let's get into this, yeah. this, this, and this, and then let the discussion go where it goes, where it's going to go. But, uh, yeah, I don't love it either when you just yeah. kind of sit Yeah, there. I guess my experience is I, and maybe I just need to figure this out in my, in my own world, but I just have a very difficult time of connecting my home study experience with that second hour Sunday school. And from what I yeah. understood, yeah. that was supposed to be facilitated much more easily. But It makes sense. I, I would love to do, uh, I've been meaning to do a light survey on just how Come Follow Me is going for people in general. You know, who's who's doing it consistently? How many people just don't haven't don't bother at all and just do, what I don't know what is going on. There's mayhem above me. A riot right is now. breaking out with your. They children. really are. I feel very bad. I left. Uh, we Kurt and I normally record later in the evening, but this week's necessitated something a bit earlier, right over about dinner time, my time. So I quickly ate and then abandoned my wife with our kids, and all I hear is just pandemonium above me, and I feel terrible. But I love all you twimmers so much, and here I am. That's the sacrifice Jeff's going through here. Now, uh, any uh, conference ideas or rumors you've thought of, like other than temples, but like what what changes could come? I hear about missionary stuff. That's what I hear. See floating the around. old time rumors, right? But, uh, but I really be- think uh, the church has made a intentional um, move to not make major announcements during general conference and just focus on doctrines and and talks and 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 maybe. Here and there, there'll be an explanation or an emphasis on something. But I just think we're—I think they learned a lot from that two-hour church announcement that uh, I, it's going to—it's just the, the Friday drops it. at this point. There are a lot of Friday drops. And that could be the case, but, you know, we do have it on the record saying other announcements. So I don't know what that could be. Or, or they're just doing a naughty job trying to get us to tune in. Right. <laughs> Which might be the case. Anyway. Yeah. Cool. What's next, Jeff? Uh, we got we got temples happening. There is a what do you got? Haiti temple was dedicated. Awesome. Also, the um, the Portugal Lisbon Portugal temple. Yeah, uh, that's is. that hasn't been dedicated yet. Am I right? It's like right after no, right before conference. I think they just finished the open house uh, last week. That's right. So I think in about the, two. The president of Portugal actually took some time to uh, take a tour. I think that's pretty cool. That, that is pretty cool. So, Marcelo Rebelo de Souza. I, I hate Portuguese. You're offending uh, 24% of your audience. Half the church. Down um, in Brazil. Yeah, half the church, quite literally. There we go. So, um, so not only are temple announcements coming, but temples are happening. I mean, that that is the phase of, of the restoration that we're in, wouldn't you say, is that... Temples are happening. There's a lot. I actually want to give props to Portugal. Uh, I serve my mission in Spain, so you know Iberian. Oh yeah, love, it's your right? neighbor. Iberian love. Portugal. I'm going to give it all the credit in the world because Portugal, being much smaller geographically and population wise compared to Spain, still has 45,000 members in the country, 
uh, across 65 congregations, a number of stakes. Basically, it's a lot more concentrated membership-wise in Portugal than it is over in Spain. So I will give them mad props for doing whatever it is they're doing well to uh, have the church be a little more potent there than it is in the other country next door. Because Spain's had a temple for 20 years, but here Portugal gets one. And I do not know who's going to go to the Madrid temple now that Paris has been dedicated and Italy and now Portugal. I mean, who's left? It's literally just for the Spanish now and maybe some of Southern France. But I, my dreams of a temple in Barcelona are quickly dissipating. <laughs> They're dwindling. <laughs> not going to happen, Jeff. At least uh, not in this decade uh, or the next. For some quick temple news that affects me sort of personally, and I'm very excited, the, they released renderings, the church of the uh, Richmond, Virginia temple, which was just announced Thanks. about a year ago. Uh, a little more than a year. Actually, that, that was in uh, April uh, 2018, I believe. That's exciting for us. You know, I live in the D.C. region. Our temple's closed until sometime likely next spring when they rededicate it. And this temple, of course, won't be done before then. But it'll be cool to have a temple actually in Virginia. Its, it's architecture looks very colonial, very Virginian, fits in nicely. Uh, uh, I like that the guy in charge of it said that the landscaping design is inspired by historic Williamsburg. And I found that interesting because I've been to Colonial Williamsburg and it's like a lot of dirt and split rail fences. <laughs> I think they're assuming that Williamsburg, like if it's the rest of Williamsburg, that's just got strip malls and like an outback steakhouse. So I don't know what they'd be working with there. So I'm assuming it's Colonial Williamsburg. Either way, very exciting news in Richmond and it's going to be on the close side of Richmond to me. So when it's done, it might, depending on traffic, it might be more worthwhile for me to go down to Richmond for the temple right. than to D.C. So, so how many minutes uh, drive is it to the Richmond temple as opposed <sighs> to the D.C.? Well, it depends. So traffic is notoriously bad on the I-95 corridor to get down there. So if traffic is good on a Saturday, which is anyone's guess, um, you could get down there in about an hour from where I am. And it would take you about an hour to get to D.C., but that's an hour... That's less distance as the crow flies to D.C., but just a lot more traffic and stuff in the way to get up there. Nice. Now I have options. I don't know. Switch it up a little bit. Dude, we're living the dream here. I think there was one. Wasn't there one more? Oh, one more. Just south of Richmond, the Raleigh Temple is coming back online. That's one of the handful that has been closed for a number of years to basically be rebuilt from the ground up. I love to remind everyone of this fun story, how the church took some of the Hinckley-era mini temples and said, we're just we're just going to close them, and didn't tell anybody that they were being rebuilt because the original ones were built out of wood and all had mold and rot problems because they built them in the southern United States and didn't plan just, for humidity. So that's fine, whatever. So they rebuilt it. Now it's all nice, and it's going to be rededicated. But what I love is in lieu of the usual hoopla surrounding a rededication and the events they put around it, they're doing a 5K fun run. <laughs> this... I, I'm trying to imagine the meeting that happened where that one brave soul raised his hand and said, hey, how about a fun run? And everybody sort of nodded like, yeah, let's do a fun run. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Brother Andy, it was, that's a good idea. It was a tie between that and the bake sale, but, you know. I don't think I've ever seen a temple fun run. They're starting at one chapel that's just across town, and then they're running along a trailway to the temple. And and so, didn't you Why say not? this is maybe in lieu of the the youth celebration? Type I, I I'm not sure if they're doing a youth celebration for this one or not. Right? Because didn't you say it's no, well, on one episode you speculated that went out with that was a President Monson initiative that passed with him. 
Yeah, I'm sorry. I misspoke. So I don't know if they're doing a youth fireside. They probably are. But yes, the youth celebrations haven't happened. They bled over from any of the ones that were planned before President Nelson came about. Uh, but since then, any that he has had whatever say over, uh, they've switched them to firesides instead of ridiculous, weird, corny celebrations, which are fun for the kids. But I mean, I don't know. They're memorable. They are, but they're also stupid. So, you know. Anyway, I want to give Raleigh props for that. We should all do fun runs. They should do a, they should do a fun run to the D.C. Temple. It'd be amazing. It's a landmark in the area. Oh my gosh, I can't wait to see who goes there. I hope Harry reads. I hope Mitt shows up. He probably will for the open house. I want Mitt to be my tour guide. If Mitt's not my tour guide, he has no faith. And he deserves all the flack he gets on Facebook from his constituents. <laughs> which is pretty yeah, sad. Yeah, that's where I that's where I spend most of my time is is DMing Senator Romney. Um <laughs> speak, there there's also uh I'm a leading saints, of, man. Come on. <laughs> I know he's he's on my bucket list. I'll get him get an interview. So I think uh like there's there's all sorts of like relays and runs associated with temples. I think in uh, Idaho they do the temple to temple relay from Rexburg to Idaho Falls. Oh, that's fun. Um, I think there's some in Provo. Do they do the Provo to Provo? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's uh, just a jaunt. That's a Sunday afternoon walk. They do the uh, Ochre Mountain to Jordan River fun run. Yes. Hey, we could start it. They would do it to Draper, but the fancy people of Draper will not let the riffraff from West Valley City oh, come no. anywhere near their property. No, you're lines. not you're not closing roads in Draper. That's not happening. So um, you live above the inversion, okay? Above. Speaking it. of the other side of the mountain, the point of the mountain from Draper is uh, Utah County, where they ha- it is also known as Silicon Silicon Slopes. Uh, where all sorts of startups and tech companies are are popping up, and there's this fascinating article in the the nextweb.com, which I've read a total of one article, which is this article <laughs> on that website, uh, <laughs> and it's called "What's the Secret to Utah's Startup Success?" Mormon missionaries. Oh boy, I don't think they meant it as a question. Yeah, but, it should be Latter Day um, Saint missionaries. This conversation's crap. This, I don't know why you're oh, even reading man. it, Kurt. Sorry, I, I, I please excuse my language, but they uh, a fascinating article just about what the missionary program does in relation to the economy in Utah, particular in these startup where it, we're very we're a uh, rich place for a lot of sales companies to come, a lot of call centers and and whatnot popping up, and there's I mean there's a uh, pest control company, uh, you know door to door organization all over Utah County, all sorts of places like that. But uh, it was an interesting article just to, to reflect on just these um, these uh, um, additional benefits that come from a missionary program. Obviously, nobody goes on a mission so that they can uh, be really successful in life. We do so because we want to serve the Lord who we love, right? I, but, well, sure. I mean, but if you look at it, it's an investment of like $11,000, and you can make $40,000 during during summer sales. And without the skills from the mission, think think about the return on investment. That, that's true. That, that's a three-act right. investment. To or, to have the skill set of knocking door to door to door and keep going, I mean, that, that can make you some money. Anyway, so. I, you were being sincere, and I should be quiet. Continue. <laughs> Well, I'm just saying, uh, I thought it was an interesting perspective that to look at that, yeah, it's kind of cool that this we have this, um, you know, initiation into the world from where we, we leave our, our, our families and friends and, and grow up a little bit and we come back better people. And, and apart from the 
you know, the, the growing the kingdom and baptizing people, sharing this wonderful message. It's pretty cool that this is part of our culture and, and that these benefits come from it. Amen, brother. Well, speaking of missionaries, let's talk about an article over at Third Hour, the BuzzFeed of Mormonism, that's basically a republish of something I'm pretty sure they did a few years ago about how are mission call assignments really made, which is a weird way to phrase that. But yes, how are they really made? What happens? Is it a grab bag? Do they have a hat? Do they have Joseph Smith's old hat? And do they grab things out of it instead of seer stones? What do they do with the hat or a hat? (laughs) No, there's no Nobody hat. Nobody's asked that question. Where is the hat? We uh, no one don't know where the seer the stone is, but I mean, where's the hat? We know we have the stone, but what about the hat? That'd be uh, cool if we had the hat. Maybe they do have the hat. I don't know. Maybe, <laughs> where's the hat? If those people do the right thing and actually storm the granite vaults like they're supposed to, maybe we'll find it in there along with the sort of Laban and who knows what else. Not the plates though, kids. Moroni took those back. Don't get your hopes up. All right? That's over. So, in the early days of the church... Missionaries were interviewed by a general authority. Some were even called during general conference, which is probably why every general conference people think that they're going to announce mission calls during general conference. But today, of course, that doesn't happen. We have technology. Elder Ballard explains that your photograph comes up on a computer screen together with the information provided by your bishop and stake president. When your picture appears, we look into your eyes and review your answers to the missionary recommendation questions. Hold on. I haven't done this for a while. But what are the answers to the missionary recommendation questions? I mean, how much variation do you think they have on those questions? You've been a stake leader more recently than I have. I feel like there's only so many ways you can answer that question. Like, do you want to serve the Lord? Yes. Do you want to love people? Why, yes. Well, yeah, but I think there's— And And I I, took French in high school. I wasn't privy to those conversations as I wasn't the stake president, but— I never really had to ask those questions, but I think there's various things like as far as health, uh, mental health, and you know they're all considering that whether they're sent going to Timbuktu or whether they're going to uh, Tacoma, right? Yeah, I yes, I mean I'm just being saucy about it, but because <laughs> this is published already, I, don't, I mean this isn't. It's it's always a good refresher. They actually put you in a room. They think about who's there. They uh, they compare their notes and what they feel inspired by. What I do like seeing, though, are the pictures Elder Oaks published four years ago because it seems more intimate than I imagined it. Like the way he's kind of sitting in a little, what looks like a little like clerk's office in front of a screen, yeah. right? I've I always, imagine like a dark room with a projector. I pictured a war room kind of scenario, right? Yeah, they're, yeah. They're in this big room. Like maybe, the transfer board on the, in the mission hall, exactly. or the like, mission office. Like they're all sitting there in like a conference room. Maybe they do have laptops or a bunch of screens right in front of them. And then they say, all right, put up number X2753. Boom. Candidate, the candidate pops up. Then they decide if he's a chosen one or not, uh, if he will be tribute, whatever it may be. And then they work from there. But it looks like instead it's a little more intimate where they kind of sit down and think and ponder. And, of course, there's logic that goes into it and thought and prayer. But I like that they uh, take the time to corroborate one another's inspiration before they issued the calls. Yeah. I mean, I have, I have every testimony that my call for my mission was divinely inspired 100%. It was definitely not because I was just some random person available at whichever time for whatever. I'm sure there's some criteria I filled. But beyond that, I mean, I yeah, I've— it was awesome. That's that's where you're meant to go, and that's why you love Spaniards. Kids, if you all go on a mission, you can wind up like me. I don't know what better poster child there is for serving a mission than being able to wind up like... He finally straightened his life out, thanks to the mission. I guess. 
I guess. Anyways, that's it's good. It's it's good to revisit. I tried to comment on the article, but they moderate it and says we're reviewing your comment. My comment said it's cool that you republish this for clicks. <laughs> Why do you burn bridges with other uh, Latter Day Saint platforms? I don't burn bridges. I make bridges. Do you know the? Do you know the good terms? The cultural high, cultural high, the cultural hall, and Twim are on now. Are you guys like we're 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 almost coming? we are almost at a Reagan Gorbachev level of detente at this point. <laughs> when is the the cultural hall Jeff Openshaw interview coming? Out? I don't know if the people demand it. Supply and demand. All right, I'm we're starting. Here, I a supply. Petition. They have to demand. Go to leadingsaints.org/slash/contact, and I will forward those requests onto the uh, appropriate parties. Okay. And go to patreon.com slash this week in Mormons and pledge money for this program. <laughs> Always comes back to money with you. That's all That's I care it. about. You're, you're a nonprofit. You don't care about these sorts of things. I, on the other That's hand, right. I've got mouths right. to feed, man. <laughs> How else am I supposed to take all right. Chick-fil-A? Come on. Um, I was going to make more comments about the, the mission call assignments, but got, I was really, cause I was really fascinated about your discussion about with the, okay. uh, word of wisdom changes mm-hmm. from previous weeks and, and just these changes with, we're in a season of changes, right? With president Nelson and people, I think get caught up so much in the, in the feeling of, well, is this revelation or God? Is it not, you know, did an ah, angel appear? Right, did right. it, did he not? And I just don't think that's how the church works like at the end of the day, like for me, I really appreciated my mission to the California, Sacramento, Spanish speaking mission. But, uh, at the same time, like I, I probably would have been okay with everywhere. Wasn't inspired. Yeah. I mean, but those experiences could have happened elsewhere as well. So I don't know. Sometimes we get in this mode where like every last thing, like there's this chalkboard in heaven with every decision that's been ever made by an apostle and they've never (laughs) strayed from that chalkboard. And that, I just don't believe it happens that way. I think that is a fair assumption on your part, an astute observation and one that should be shared. And there's also this great article about assignments and volunteers by Rachel Logan. And uh, she's she's a great writer. I've reached out to her and hope that she will um, sacrifice her efforts for not only the Twim Nation but for leading saints. But as far as assignments or volunteers, and uh, Jeff, you probably get an interesting perspective sitting in ward councils uh, and seeing are there more assignments going on or more requests for volunteers. I would say it's a mix. I also thought a lot about my time as Elders Quorum President reading this article and trying to lead effectively in that way. Uh, Currently in Ward Council, it's a decent number of assignments, I would say, overall. Pleasant assignments, as it were. Um, But I like this article because it stressed that just like straight out assigning people to do things might essentially, you know, deprive them of agency if you do it the wrong way, I guess. It's easy to talk about being bold and making assignments. Is that kind of what I believe what we're getting at? And how that's not necessarily the best way to assign rather invite is sort of the euphemism we want to play i must reference one of my favorite conference talks by elder james was it james e faust he was a good one uh, called these i will make my leaders and because i think there is there's we probably err too much on the side of volunteerism right that we say you know anybody available for the canning assignment uh, next tuesday at at noon 
and uh, nobody raises their hand because they're all thinking, well, I work. But I think there is a um, sanctifying process, not only for leaders, but also for uh, the, you know, in just normal members yeah. to be asked to to sacrifice, you know, a, a paid time off and, and go to the canning place, right? Rather than waiting for somebody ends up being the retired 85-year-old, bless his heart, who just goes every time because he's the only one not doing anything on Tuesday at noon. Um, Get a job, James hippie. Faust- go ahead, what? Nothing. I was just being mean. I agree. Yes. I said, get a job, hippie. But I love this this quote. It says, one of the first principles we must keep in mind is that the work of the Lord Lord goes forward through assignments. Leaders receive and give assignments. This is an important part of the necessary principles of delegating. No one appreciates a willing volunteer more than I, but the total work cannot be done as the Lord wants it done merely by those doing the work who may be present at meetings. So, Anyways, good, good yeah, uh, asking, article uh, and conference talk th- to check out. Can I can I share a brief experience I have with this? Oh, so, please. so I, I mentioned Elders Quorum presidency, and uh, I remember this one experience I had that taught me sort of the, I, all of my experiences the ones that teach me the wrong way to do things. I guess so. Right, um, I've been there. So in this case, we had a family in the ward who had recently had a kid, and the mom wound up having a number of very serious health complications afterwards. Um, some of it wasn't necessarily straight out life threatening, but it, it was a hard period for them and they were figuring things out. And they were going to be moving within our ward boundaries. And typically speaking at that point, the stake president had asked us not to be a moving service to essentially like if people asked for help to say, Well, have you done X, Y, and you know, have you done self reliant things? Yeah, sure. Already. And so I tried to do that. It was hard because sometimes I was basically denying people. But in this case, I felt inspired that like, no, we need to step it up. We need the ward to help them out for this. This is a different situation, right? We need to be there for them and take as much off of their plate as we can because they're they're going through a lot. But the way I went about the assignment, I don't think was as effective as I could have been. Cause I think I was trying to be bold and um, rather than inviting in a positive way, I basically just like contacted the then home teachers and just said like, look, I want you to run point on this as more or less, right? Like this is your baby. I need you to do this. But I think I was too bold. So I offended one of the members of the home teaching companionship. I probably have the, gr- yeah. I, I think I have an email chain after the fact somewhere about this or that. And I didn't know what to do after that. Cause it was like, Oh, well, you know, just this very flippant response of like, Oh, thank you for, for telling us that we get to do this and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, now, while part of me thought that was an overreaction. The other part of me said, maybe I could have broached the subject in a different, more effective way. Maybe I could have sat down and spent more time and said, look, you know, what's going on with them. If you would, can you, there's just the way you phrase things can make a big difference compared to it's easy to say when you assign to say, you know think it's like pointing finger and saying you serve right but it doesn't work that way like the inviting concept is much more uh softer and i think can yield much better results because when we do invite or assign i do think the work goes a lot better and the article is interesting because it even says stuff like well what if you assign someone to give a prayer and they're like you know disfellowshipped or whatever they're not supposed to pray that's a minor area, but that's very easily uh, navigated. It's very simple. By not, if you're a teacher, for example, don't on the fly say, "All right, hey, so and so, would you mind giving the closing prayer?" What you do before the lesson starts is you walk the room and say, "Hi, would you mind giving the closing prayer today when we're done?" And that way, it's a private conversation. And if there's any bit of awkwardness, it doesn't really manifest itself. I've been there, and someone just said, "Actually, I'm not supposed to." And I said, "Oh, okay, I'm sorry about that." 
and then you go to somebody else. Because the last thing you want to do is embarrass someone who is working to be back into full fellowship with the church by making them just feel awkward. I could talk about this for a while. I have a lot of opinions about assigning. This is no, I think, but I think it's an important part of our culture because I, I just I rarely experience um, a time where people are where I'm given an assignment other than you know maybe I'm my ministering assignment, but it's all always given. Just you know, I go to my app and see who who's been assigned to me. Um, that personal touch, but I think this is a a strong leadership uh, principle and and uh, exercise that could really bless. Uh, individual growth in in our culture and in our church. I think sometimes we're too afraid. Like we view this as a an organization of volunteers, so we're naturally timid with how we go about stuff. And everything's like, well, if you would, can you? And like you said, you just don't like you said the canning assignment. Like you just don't yeah. you don't get that if you just put it out there asking for help. Yeah. So good article, man. I hope this one gets some traction. It's a worthwhile one that we've stumbled across. Go read it. Um, let's see here. Real quick, weird article here that I'm going to touch on and try to make sense of because, okay, full disclosure, this article from High Country News and the, the subject area, according to the editors, like the ta- the uh, like the category is corruption. So, bum, bum, bum. corruption. This is by Emma Penrod. Um, High Country News. So, it's about how um, the article is called The Mormon Church Supplied Tainted Water to Its Members for Years. Okay, that's clickbaity. Let's be frank. And then it says, Utah regulators turned a blind eye to faulty water systems at a girls' summer camp, and trusting the LDS church would eventually fix the problem. That part's mostly true. It's just a matter of how we phrase it. So she spends a long time talking about the experience of being a girl and wanting to go to a conference, blah, 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 you know, really making herself seem sympathetic. Fine. And then basically what happens is the water at this camp, the church owns Aspen Crest, uh, had a bacteria in it that is not deemed safe for drinking. And long story short, the old TLDR, the church had asked them to fix it. The church didn't fix it. The church eventually said, look, like, uh, you know, just they kept the state kept letting it slide even af- after asking the church to do something about it. And it wasn't even the first time. There was some time years ago they had basically— like said, we're not going to fine you. Like, hey, can you just can you take care of this church? And I'm not speaking well of any of this, but essentially, it is uh, a long piece explaining how the uh, apparently the state of Utah sort of gives the church a pass on stuff that the church should potentially be fixing. We don't have anything anecdotal, like anything concrete here about you know pe- individuals who were injured or hospitalized or anything like that uh, necessarily, but obviously. This was not a safe place. And, and obviously, was this in Utah, did you say? Aspen Crest, yes. The state of Utah is basically not forcing the church to chlorinate its water when it sh- the church should be chlorinating its water. That's a fair point. If the church is not upgrading its systems as it should, then okay. But it's also funny that the state of Utah, being the state of Utah and a legislature that's dominated by Latter-day Saints, is just kind of like, okay, okay. <laughs> They're like the the legislators are looking at each other, saying, "No, you call them. No, I don't want to make the it's phone gotta call. It's got to be so them. hard to be a majority a re- majority religious body set of politicians, and to even think you have to like come up against your church and be like, uh, guys, yeah. fix this.' So that's that's an issue, though. That's a that's a political issue Utah faces, and I think it, I think that is one worth investigating. The article is clearly very biased and has an agenda but I do think it presents an, an issue that is worth uh, exploring a broader issue of 
how intertwined the two are. Yeah. That. Yes, true. So, true uh, a, a shout out to, to James the Mormon, the, who is now known as JTM, who will now be known as something else. But he didn't, and he's a former guest of on the on This Week in Mormons, right? Yes, he is. He's a very nice, sincere person and did, did not laugh as much about things as we thought he would. That's my biggest memory of that interview. <laughs> the uh, Jeff and Al humor just doesn't quite reach Al his level. Al would just be like, so you're up there like rapping in front of the temple, man. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, I'm sharing the story of the first vision. This is very important. And we're like, okay. Okay. This is very important. This is very important. Yeah. I, and, you know, I guess he put this uh, post on, is his Facebook page, right? Yeah, it's his Facebook page. Um, where he's just saying that ever since the, you know, the emphasis on removing uh, Mormon from our vernacular that... Uh, you know, obviously he went to JTM and that wasn't good enough for people. And he just is constantly finding this pushback and it's sort of just really hurt him. And it breaks my heart to hear these stories of people not being treated well in our circles. Um, because at the end of the day, I mean, if you don't change Mormon, like, so be it. I mean, the, the, we're, as we speak on this week in Mormons, I, I mean, I, I think ha. of you no different, Jeff, for not changing this. I don't know what to uh, do the name, but about our show, but yes, let's talk, it's more about James. It's messed up, right? Right. It's messed up. Like, right. People, he feels like he goes to church and it's toxic, and people are weird. I mean, the man started to do this because he genuinely wants to share his faith and do so in an innovative way through a through a musical medium that is not as. I'd say common for Latter-day Saints to be fans of. There's a we talked just recently, you know, about Colby Farron just a couple weeks ago, how there's like this bias against rap. Anyway, all of this and he's trying to do do good things, and instead it's just about like, well, dude, come on, you're not James the Mormon. You should be James the Latter-day Saint. <laughs> What's wrong with you? <laughs> right. It's, right. So if if any of you know James out there, give him a hug. Let him know we love him. We're sending you a hug, James. In his You're de- welcome here. In his defense, he seems to be making a bit of an SEO ploy, though, at the same time, because he's complaining that the other side of this is that JTM or James the Mormon on uh, streaming services, whatever else, he gets lumped into, like because of algorithms, he gets lumped in with BYU Vocal Point and EFY music, which is perfectly fine music, but because of the Mormon reference, that's where he is, and he wants to be... Yeah. He wants to be more with rap and perhaps even clean rap, which is a category. And, uh, you know, the algorithms are not working in his favor. I love where we are as a people. Think about musicians 40 years ago. They didn't have to name their group based on what they, what algorithm was going to work on a Spotify playlist. Yeah. It's a, it's a tough world we live in here with these algorithms. It's messed up, man. These algorithms are the worst. It's true. It's true. What else you got, Kurt? Well, I got, uh, is this where I can give a shameless plug yes, for I w- something we got coming up? I'd love it. Then we'll tie things up. Cool. So uh, we're, as as many of you know, who are, uh, who've, uh, you know, been around the Leading Saints uh, community, we try and put on these uh, virtual conferences around various topics. So we've done one about motivation called uh, Motivating Saints. We've done one called Teaching Saints, all about how to effectively teach in the church. Then we recently did one called Questioning Saints about how to minister to those who are questioning their faith. And uh, coming up on September 10th is the Liberating Saints, where we talk all things ministering to those and helping those overcome uh, struggles with pornography. And I am so excited to release this, because I've been tirelessly recording these uh, these interviews, and uh, just some awesome people. Every, I mean, a lot of these names you may not recognize, but, uh, you know, talking about... Uh, 
you know, as far as recovery, individuals who've been excommunicated and, and how they're finding a deeper uh, faith and, and understanding and, and how, they're re- how they're actually overcoming it, how to effectively run uh, an addiction recovery program, uh, just all around, how do we love and, and reach out to those who are struggling with, with pornography or some form of sexual addiction? Um, and uh, it, it's both for the leader, the, the member, and even those that are, are struggling with, with pornography. This would be a great resource for you to come and check it out. And it's free, folks. So anyways, you go to leadingsaints.org slash liberating, and there you just... Uh, Register, put your email in, and then we'll notify you on day one where to go to find the the sessions. And uh, but seriously, it's going to be great. At least give it a, give it a, uh, a a test for a day or two, and I think you'll be pleasantly surprised by by the content that we have around this important topic. Now, will this ever be a summit in podcast form? Yeah. So part of it is uh, I, I'm we've released some we released one session that is through our podcast feed that you can listen to a uh, release society presidency and a YSA stake uh, went around and talked about uh, uh, addressing female pornography use. Um, Kurt, that's not a, that's not a thing. So, Everyone knows that's not a thing. It is, Jeff. Believe it or not, there it's not a unicorn thing. It's that it actually happens quite a bit. Oh my so. gosh. Um, but yeah, and so and then we'll be releasing a few more sessions through the the podcast. But the we can't release. There's twenty plus uh, twenty plus sessions that uh, will never make it around to the actual podcast feed. So you gotta gotta register to check it out. All right, good deal. A couple Thanks, quick, Jeff. No, dude, love it. Love what you're doing. <laughs> love so much what you're doing. So uh, quick mention here, fun one. The la- our latest ver- issue, issue version, publication, whatever of uh, Latter Day Saint Video Vault is up, and this one's a classic from the '60s about Up in Smoke, not the Cheech and Chong movie, but uh, <laughs> it's a terrible name. No, this is one I was not familiar with. Up Jeff, in Smoke so from 1960 was a church-produced movie about the dangers of uh, tobacco use, and it is everything as awkward and unintentionally funny as you want it to be. So if you want to read that, Jared Jones is always rocking it. I love it. 1960. Huh? I love his column so much. Every two weeks, folks, every two weeks, we dive into a random old church movie. And it's not strictly to make fun of it. He, he gives everything a fair shake. So it's, it's good times. Uh, yeah. President Nelson is back from his, uh, his big Latin American tour. And also, he's getting ready for his birthday bash, because when I think profit, I think we need to have a big birthday party. That's what it says. So remember, his birthday is this Friday, September 6th, the same date as my now-past grandmother. Oh. Yeah. Well, happy birthday, Mr. President. So now I believe the, uh, but the, this will be broadcast, of course, coming up, uh, is that the same day on Friday? Are they doing the broadcast on Friday? I thought the broadcast wasn't until later, but I guess it is Friday. So uh, you're going to have Jenny Oaks Baker, Gentry, which for, they're all capitalized in their name, all caps. That's the brand, Jeff. The Bonner fa- family, someone named Nathan Pacheco, which is, doesn't sound real. He's fantastic. Donnie Osmond, whoever that is, the Tabernacle Choir, the orchestra at Pioneer Square and at the Gateway, the orchestra at the Gateway. And... um Everyone is going to just celebrate President Nelson, and I'm not going to lie. I have mixed feelings about the whole big profit soiree thing, but whatever, it's fine. Everyone, as long as everyone's happy, yeah. Who cares? I don't know why we're throwing a giant party. I mean, it's still it's great. I think we love him. It doesn't mean we don't love him. I am right? thankful but for a prophet, and I'm. It's a a great blessing to have. 
I would probably it reminds me of the the five years when I was when I was bishop, Jeff, and we had a fantastic uh, ward sponsored bishop birthday party for me, and it was. <laughs> Is that what happened? Really, real wild one and. No, I didn't. You should have done anyway, that, man. I think that's we, sort of what it perpetuates is that we... Abuse the power, man. Come on. Yeah, we, we get put in these callings and therefore it's it's us, not the not the calling. But Yeah, this kind anyways, of... We love President Nelson and we will sing along with the Osmonds and Gentry and Pacheco and it'll be Whoever awesome. that is. Like, you know how we talked about hymns at the beginning of the show? That's why for yeah. me, I've slowly soured on praise to the man. I don't know that it should be in the next hymn book. I have no doubt it will still be in the next hymn book, but I don't... I have, I have, I've come around to on that side of that over time. Mm-hmm. Hymns aren't strictly like worship, but I don't know. I'm like, how is this helping the cause of like, we don't worship Joseph Smith? That's, I look at a lot of my discipleship through that lens of how has this helped the cause to help people understand we don't worship Joseph Smith. Right. <laughs> and if it, <laughs> if it leans that way and causes confusion, then I take a step back and wonder if it's something we should do. But hey, I'm not in charge. That's true. All right. Last thing. Fair we, argument. Speaking of Joseph Smith, everybody, uh, so the same comic book artist uh, who gave us a graphic uh, novel about the Book of Mormon is doing one about the first vision, which is kind of cool. Yeah. So I'm down to figure out what it's going to be. What's it going to be called? You remember the name? The Pillar of Light. The Pillar of Light by Alder Sal Valudo. And uh, I think that's great. He does great work. Yeah, it's, it's I'm beautiful graphic artistry. I think he's going he's gonna to tell the whole thing. What's unclear is which account of the first vision he will be following not quite sure uh which is gonna he's probably combined them i think is what it's okay you can't combine all of them i mean some of them have well have to the best of people um, some don't i you know but does it actually say that then that's cool i must have missed that and i apologize uh well it just says based on joseph smith's own accounts Accounts plural. From those okay. who heard him share his experience firsthand. So I, that alludes to the fact that all accounts are, were considered in this, uh, in the writing of the story. Okay, cool. So I'm going to look, I look forward or, to that. It's going to be pretty rad. It's going to be available online for free for anybody to go see and enjoy. So hopefully it'll be at uh, some URL that the church deems inappropriate and then buys out and, you know, that kind of thing. We'll see what happens. Well, everyone, I hope you uh, take part in Kurt's summit. I think that's going to be a worthwhile endeavor. I hope you all take the time to do that. I hope you will take the time to subscribe to the show if you never have before. However you may do that, whichever app you are using, please hit that subscribe button and leave us a review. If you are able to do so, that would mean the world to me, and it would mean even less to Kurt, but it would be great for you to do it either way. Um, And of course, follow us on Facebook and Twitter and visit thisweekinmormons.com for not just these shows, but also news and commentary and things related to Latter-day Saints, all the good stuff that we do. So that's it. Well, thanks, Jeff. This was fun as always. I hope you'll have me back. You always say you hope I'll have you back, but I've been having you back for longer than you were bishop. These are just insecurities of the the. the, Would you stop it? You run an empire. You run a veritable empire. Leading saints should be throwing you a birthday party, Mr. Chairman. <laughs> hey, uh, well, we, we need some fundraising to do that. So you can donate, but... Donate to leading saints? Go, or, go to your Patreon first. His is nonprofit, so you can get it back on your taxes. Mine is pure profit, right. so you get nothing, but I get something. So figure out what was more <laughs> worthwhile for you. Just remember, everybody, we, if you're an American, you're, because of the new tax law, your standard deduction is now double. So most of your charitable giving means nothing unless you make like a quarter of a million dollars a year as far as reducing your tax liability. So 
Who needs charity anymore? It doesn't matter for your taxes. Unless you're really rich. So there we go. On that wonderful note, thank you, Kurt. Everyone have a great week. No problem. This is This Week in Mormons. Be well, be holy, be happy. In today's feature, we'll talk lots of facts. You probably heard these people get visions looking in their hats. Their host got lots of stuff, but probably not a TV. If I live there, I hold a square up so you're looking at me. This week, for this week, it's about the Mormons. I may bite my tongue when I speak. I got on my geek glasses and suspenders. You were talking Mormons for this week. For this week, it's about the Mormons. I may bite my tongue when I speak. I got on my geek glasses and suspenders. You were talking Mormons for this week. We're gonna do a roundup of Mormons in the news, maybe in relationships, fighting stuff like that. The bad sun time to get from riding on bikes and walking for hours in clothes.